Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. Everybody and welcome. Wow, what about that Greg Brady action there? Hello, everybody. I'm not Peter. Welcome to was it Peter Brady? Yeah, you're right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sawbones, your home for the greatest in Brady Bunch trivia. Uh, no, this is the marital tour of Misguided Medicine. I'm your co-host Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. You really scared me because I would not be good at Brady Bunch trivia. The movies are fun. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not slamming the show or the movies. I'm just saying I would not be very good at trivia because I'd I've seen. Maybe a handful of episodes of the show. The only, like, good Brady Bunch trivia that I could dig up is that right when King's Island opened, they did some episodes at King's Island. There's, like, a couple of episodes where they stay Mm -hmm. at the King's Island Resort across the way and they go ride the racer and stuff like that. It was a genuine thrill to see. You know, it's very frequent. You know, everybody on TGIF had to go to Disney World. It was, like, an episode. Like, everybody had to do their— Was it Disney World or Disneyland, though? It it was both. It was ABC. So it's, like— Disney owns ABC, so they're just trying to, like, gin up tourism for whatever park. But they went all the time. I feel like a lot of people on TV went to Disneyland, and I knew I was not going to go to Disneyland. Like, as a kid, like, that's in California. I live in West Virginia. I am never going to Disneyland was my perspective. So that felt very, like, oh, that's a fantasy right there. But King's Island. No, that's attainable. We can get there. R.L. Stein too did did a, a mm-hmm. novel about King's Island, The Beast. The Beast. All right, yeah, listen. that's three short hours away. Yeah, um, Disneyland. It's like a dream. Yeah, we, well, we're never going there, but we can get to Cincinnati, no problem. Thank you, Double A Highway. I enjoy you. Download your podcast before you hit that highway. That's my advice to you. Yes. You will not get there reception. There is nowhere to pee. <laughs> there is nowhere to listen. There's a McDonald's bank gas station combo. In one combo, building. and that's your last chance. So when you see it, stop. Yeah, stop because because that's your last chance. Sydney, last week I inspired <laughs> the nation when I researched the episode of Sawbones, so you wouldn't have to. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I found I found a, a sort of the first glint of a story that I felt like was too expansive for the scope of what I was trying to do in that episode. So I asked you if you wouldn't mind poking into it a bit more, and you were you were kind enough to do me that favor. Yeah, Justin, you asked me about Doctor Scholl. Mm-hmm. And whether or not Dr. Scholl of foot fame? Doctor, yeah. I mean, I don't know how else you'd put it. Yeah. Dr. Scholl of foot fame. The foot guy. The The foot foot guy. The foot foot guy. Is this, was this a a real doctor or was this a, uh, I think you already kind of answered like, is this a figurehead? Is this like a made up character? Because there are plenty of brands who have made up characters, right? Right. Who- aren't actual people, but they invented to sell their product. 
Um, and then there are plenty of patent medicine salesmen we've talked about over the years who like would have a doctor who worked with them but was like paid in whiskey and <laughs> wasn't, yes. I mean, wasn't a doctor by our modern standards perhaps. Right. So like where does Dr. Scholl fall into that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's the question. So that we I know it's a real you. guy. It is a real you person. You established that last time. Yes. Unlike, I should mention, Dr. Teal, still no answer on the Dr. Teal front. Still no. don't know if that's a human being or not. And I, I just want to say, I got so many. I knew if I said, if anybody knows, let me know. I knew we'd get emails. We yeah. got lots of emails. Yeah. And I appreciate them. You Thank you. Do you have any insight to share or were they all full I, of crap like I knew they no, were? No, they weren't full of crap. They had lots of insight to share. And they were doing the same research I was in a lot of cases because yes. I was also researching this because I knew this would be our topic. Oh, I meant about Dr. Teal. I was hoping oh. someone would find out about Dr. Teal. There was one. Yeah. No, we did. Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot. We got I, one I email about Dr. Teal. Everybody to. else, I should say, everybody else was about um, Dr. Scholl's. Yes. Like, was that real? No, we got one email from a listener who could also similarly not um, uncover the truth about Dr. Teal's. We got lots of emails from people saying, like, yes, Justin. They didn't say it like that. That's how I, that's, that's in my heart. That's it? how I read it. Uh, yes, Justin. <laughs> Sometimes they call you honorary Dr. Justin. And, and you I don't love that. Listen, I, I don't know that I'm okay with that. Yeah, I don't. I, that makes perfect sense. I don't know sense. that I'm okay Why with that. Like I'm that? just saying. It makes perfect sense that you would not y- like you're that. You're making 50% of this podcast very happy and 50% of this podcast. Not as thrilled. Not as thrilled. Not so as thrilled. I guess even split. William Matthias Scholl was indeed a doctor. That's what, it's a real human, real person, yes. real doctor. That yes. is that is the the like summary of the emails we got. Um, And I think that that's like a fair, especially if like you do a quick Google, quick search, if you read anything from the company. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And and so I think what you're, the reason that there's some question or some nuance, and I'm going to get into this, there's a couple of issues. One, what was our standard for a doctor, you know, over 100 years ago versus what our standard is for a doctor? Right. And when I say doctor, I guess at this point we're talking about a doctor of medicine or a doctor of osteopathy, an MD or a DO, right? right. Somebody who, who achieved a degree in whatever medical field they're pursuing. Right. Um, but I think the other thing is like the bias we have, some of which I would argue is fairly founded, against medical professionals who also uh, become business professionals. Yes. Who also are hawking wares. Yes. Right? Right. And and I think that a lot of that modern criticism is well-founded, right? Because when I see somebody telling you, you need this certain thing for your gut health, and then they try to sell it to me at the end of the pitch, I'm much less likely to believe, even if they have some sort of letters after their name, some sort of degree attached to their name, I'm much less likely to believe them because they want to sell it to me. Right. And I think that Dr. Scholl was one of the first to fall victim to that. Because I don't, I would say he was more a businessman than a doctor. Okay. Like if you just look at the balance of what he achieved, uh-huh. I would say more that more notable for his accomplishments as an entrepreneur. Yes, I don't. I, I'm not saying he was a bad podiatrist. I'm saying that like he was a he was a fine podiatrist, but he was a really outstanding marketer. Yes, that's is that fair to yes, say? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so he was born in Indiana. In 1882, okay, he was a laborer on his parents' farm. He had lots of uh, brothers and sisters, lots of siblings, okay? This is important because I, I am assuming, I mean, I, I did not grow up on a farm in Indiana in 1882. 
That we know of. But I think there's probably a lot of work that you're doing. In addition to like farming type work, a lot of like self-sustaining family type work. Like what do you mean? Well. Milking the cows and what have you? Well, the farm stuff, but also just like what goes into raising a family, caring for one another, feeding one another, clothing one another, repairing one another's shoes. Shoes, Perhaps some home cobbling. He had a knack for working with leather, even as a child. Shoes, shoes and feet. (laughs) They droop from a young age. You have to be so careful when you say like somebody was really passionate about feet because like there are are multiple ways to be passionate about feet. We should, we should, let's just, you know what, just to make it an easier episode to record. We all agree feet are weird. Okay. No, I don't think feet are. No, this is your thing. You have a hang up about feet. I don't okay. have I'm a hang up I'm just saying about feet. like, we I, don't I have to fine. always be like. I'm feet neutral. <laughs> we don't have to make people feel weird about liking feet. Some no. people like feet. Some people don't like I, feet. I think I think there are lots of ways to like feet. And right. what I'm saying is. We're only using was, the first version of like. Yeah, feet. he was concerned with the problems that ail human feet and wanted to help alleviate them. He was that's a, a different kind of foot He had a compassionate interest. heart for feet. Yes. It wasn't necessarily a foot enthusiast. And there's nothing wrong with being Nor a foot would there enthusiast. Be. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Say he, he went crazy for feet. <laughs> we just want to say what we're talking right. about. And like, but that's if if he had gone crazy for feet in a different way, that is fine too. I don't know why. Too. I don't know why I would do an episode but you about don't have that. To, I just want to like, say that would not be a cl- sawbone. I just want to help. I just want to say okay. to clarify every right. time we talk about just going gaga over those little tootsies. We're not talking about necessarily a sexual fashion. No, no. He he was like the official family cobbler. He fixed all the shoes. He was good with leather work. He went to. <laughs> Woof. He went to uh, Chicago in 1900 and started working at a shoe store, which makes sense. He was good with shoes. Yes. He was good with feet. He cared about it. Um, and he was, he was, you know, driven to correct foot problems because of this experience. Because I would imagine foot uh, technology footwear technology, I should say. Not yes. foot technology. We weren't engineering feet yet. But yet. we were engineering encasings for feet. We're probably, it was probably not as advanced as it could have been, right? Like right. it's 1900. We're not there yet. There are a lot of materials we don't have yet. And so uh, he became very interested in how can I alleviate people's feet problems? Um, and that is when it is it is said that he enrolled in medical school in Loyola University. This is this is a subject of of debate. Yes, this is where the question did he go to, get, to school here? Everyone agreed that he loved feet. This was not yes. up for debate. Well, the question was like, did he? The, this is where it starts to get a little hazier. Right? Did he enroll in med school? We think. We think. I mean, we we have no proof that he didn't. Right. We just don't have the records to prove that he did. Mm-hmm. But we have no proof he didn't, and right. the records of the time are sketchy, so sketchy. and so like. Calling calling it into question, I mean, it already, like, a lot of other people would have made the same claim and we haven't called it into question. I right. will just say that, okay? Yes. Um, and I think underlying all this, it, it's funny, in all the articles I read to try to piece this out, they all made the same point. Everybody's kind of weirded out by feet, and especially if you're talking about, that's a broad generalization. This is a claim made in many of the articles. I, again, am going to just stand here and say, I've never been weirded out or grossed out by feet. I am fine with feet. I don't like, they're not my favorite part of the human body, 
but they are not my least favorite part of the human body either. I'm just fine on them. You understand this. I don't mind to take care of foot problems. Like if somebody says like, I got a gross thing on my foot I want you to look at, there is no part in me that is repulsed or grossed out. I'm just like, yeah, show me the weird thing. I don't mind. You know the like screeds like this are normally reserved for people that are being very defensive about their positions. I, I feel think like feet in, get in a, a bad rap. I'm, I'm defensive of feet. I don't mind feet. I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind feet. Okay. Okay. I'm They're just fine. saying we need to isolate your last speech so, as a ringtone that everyone there, can use. There's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of debate as to if, if this questioning we have as to Dr. Scholl's credentials are in part related to our, our, I would say nuanced relationship with the human foot. Okay, and the yes. way we do not do not value it like we do other parts of the body. And so a doctor solely devoted to the foot would be, you know, there's, demeaned there's already unfairly. Some, yes. That, that is the that's, that's the point. That's fair. Okay. Um, which by the way, I will say, uh, Shoal also had a grandfather who was a shoemaker. Um, and I thought this was really interesting. His father served in the Union Army during the Civil War. Oh, really? And um, Union soldiers had shoes. This was a big new thing at the moment. Uh, they had shoes that were styled for each foot. They had a left and right shoe. That was new. That was a new development. What? It's not all throughout human history have we had shoes that you're, are footed, that are foot specific. You're kidding feeted. me. No, that was a big thing. And so. Well, that makes sense, right? Because it's really uh, just theorizing, but like rubber is a big part of that, right? Which mm -hmm. is a relatively new because you got to mold it and yeah. there's so many things that it'd be harder to mold yeah huh that's really it's interesting nice but like shoes, and i'm not saying that these it. are the only example because i guarantee you i and i'm not a historian i am i'm a, an amateur medical historian for comedy purposes <laughs> and mainly a doctor but i i would imagine there are other times and cultures in history where they have had footed shoes i i would imagine this isn't the first time but the union soldiers having them was a big distinction between them and the Confederacy who did not. I wonder if they would become footed over time, right? I, I'm sure there are other places where they had invented footed shoes before. Yeah. Before the Union Army. But it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, the point is, like, he had this sort of, why was he so interested in feet? It was like a family thing. It's a he family just, thing. It's a family thing. It's he a loves family his family's feet and he loves other um, feet. So, uh, so he went to medical school and he was really interested in what at the time was called chiropody. Oh, this is the um, precursor to podiatry. What's the, is there a difference or is it just a difference in nomenclature? There, well, there is a difference. Okay. While largely a chiropodist would have been interested in the feet and would have done most of the stuff that we would think of as a modern podiatrist job, chiropody technically is referencing the hands and the feet. So a chiropodist specialty would be hands and feet. Okay. Whereas a podiatrist, just feet. Got it. They don't do hands. Okay. Um, so it's similar. And and at the time, like, chiropody training was not as advanced necessarily as other fields of medicine. So, again, going to a chiropody school already kind of put you at a disadvantage in terms of, like, respect from the medical community at large mm -hmm. because the schools weren't as rigorous. No medical schools were as rigorous as they are now, certainly. But this was an area that lagged even further behind. So if somebody said, like, I am a credentialed chiropodist, they could have actually gone to a school and learned things, or they could have paid for a certificate that said, I am a chiropodist. Oh, okay. So you didn't really know that. It didn't tell you that much. Right. And so there was more variability, which I think, again, is what casts this sort of, like, 
veil of uncertainty okay. over Dr. Scholl because, well, a lot of people say they're chiropodists. But. But are you real? Are you the real deal? Right. Um, so anyway. Which he, is why that credentialing is so important and why it became more important. Why it is time. rigorous and why today like. It, but it's really not until memory serves like. 19 aughts, right? That's mm-hmm. like FDA's like 1906, somewhere yeah, so around we're there. Really, we're really, we are, right now we're in the 1900, like the year 1900 to right. 1904. We're about to get a lot more serious about we, all this We are stuff. about to get much more intense about medical marketing and credentialing and products and drugs and like all this stuff is about to be much more highly regulated. And the era of being able to say, like buyer beware, caveat emptor. <laughs> Uh, that era is really starting to come to an end yeah. when it comes to medical products. I will say, though, as a caveat of my own, <laughs> um, we're still not there because there are lots of non-FDA-regulated supplements that make all kinds of claims that are not evidence-based or medifi- medically verifiable. So the idea that we have completely moved past this and now we're in this era where a claim that you hear about medicine is 100% true, I think we all know, because if you listen to the show, you know, that is not true either. Um, but we were we were further from it then. So he's going to medical school in the evening. He's still working at the shoe store, uh, Rupert's, in the day to, you know, kind of come up with, I mean, that, it's like inspiring him. He sees these problems. He goes to medical school. He's learning the information. He's coming up with a way to solve them. Um, and he's, not, his, he's walking the walk, if you will. He's not just talking and learning about feet. He's there on the mm-hmm. front lines every day with his hands on and, feet. And can I tell you, if I was, like, if you take a student like this today and give them to me as a as an assistant professor at a medical school, mm-hmm. I am going to be very um, impressed by a young medical student who is both seeking medical, you know, like there's like pursuing their medical career, seeking medical knowledge, mm-hmm. and engaging in firsthand work with the thing he wants to pursue. I like think, that would be yeah. very impressive to me. So anyway, from this, he creates his first thing, the foot easer. The foot easer. Foot dash E-A-Z-E-R, foot easer, which are two pieces of metal that are separated by an adjustable spring. Okay. And it goes inside your shoe to provide arch support. Where inside your shoe? Is it like small? You just, just slide on it arch. in there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just like you would imagine an insole today, except, again, we're kind of dealing with the materials we have available, okay. right? Like, I don't think it was that easy to make some sort of plasticky Memory cushion foam. gel yeah, right. yeah, insole, right? We didn't have all the right stuff. So um, he tried it out on customers first. He had, like, a place to test these new things. A customer offered him $10,000 immediately. Wow. Uh, to set up this business to sell this thing, <laughs> not just for the thing, not just for the insole. This is amazing. <laughs> sell it to me now. I'll pay any price. Ten thousand dollars sold. But he realized no, he wasn't sold because he realized that if it was worth ten thousand dollars to this guy, it's oh. worth more. So instead, he borrowed seven hundred bucks from his dad, and in 1904, he opened his own shoal manufacturing company. Um, where at this point he had finished medical school, but he would work to sell the devices that he, to make and sell. He's Mm -hmm. making them. He's sitting in there. He has no heat. He's wrapped in blankets. He's in the Chicago cold. Imagine him like that, working to make these foot easing devices that he can sell you to go in your shoes all on his own. That's how he started out. Okay. If you're really into capitalism, it's a very inspiring (laughs) story. 
if you're really into to your foot, your feet feel. Listen, I use full disclosure. I use Dr. Scholl's inserts in my Chuck Taylors. Um, because well, you have to. I'm a 40, <laughs> I'm a 40 year old woman who wears low top Chuck Taylors most of the time, like as in 98% of my time. Yeah. They're just, they're barely shoes. They're barely the shoes. Thing. They're made of paper and I love them. I've worn them since high school. I'll never stop. I'll die in these Chucks, but I will put Dr. Scholl's gel insoles in them. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I don't I'm know if they help, you, but I know they feel good. I don't know. I want to tell you that. Okay. But first, we got to go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? pre-prepared all I got in two minutes I'm eating filet mignon that sounds delicious yeah it sounds delicious and you can give these a try and it's not just these meals we're talking pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or cleanup get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week you're going to get exactly what you want no surprises here uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. 
from the Twisted Minds that brought you the Adventure Zone, Balance and Amnesty and Graduation and Ethersea and Steeplechase and Ultra Space and all the other ones. The McElroy brothers and dad are proud to reveal a bold vision for the future of actual play podcasting. It's, um, it's called the Adventure Zone versus Dracula. Yeah, we're going to kill Dracula's ass. Ah! We're gonna, well, we're going to attempt. We haven't recorded all of it yet. We will attempt to kill Dracula's ah! ass. The Adventure Zone versus Dracula. Yes, a season I will be running uh, using the D&D 5th edition uh, rule set. And there's two episodes out for you to listen to right now. We hope you will join us. Same bat time, same bat channel. For and bats. I see what you did there. People say not to judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. Which is why here on Just the Zoo of Us, we judge them by so much more. We rate animals out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics, taking into consideration each animal's true strengths, like a pigeon's ability to tell a Monet from a Picasso or a polar bear's ability to play basketball. Guest experts like biologists, ecologists, and more join us to share their unique insight into the animal's world. Listen with friends and family of all ages on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Sydney, you've ruined so many things for me on this podcast, <laughs> and I'm just just wanting to know if you're going to add Dr. Schultz's <laughs> in gel inserts to that I, list. I think it's – I'm going to – we're still at the point where he is just now mass producing these in order to make money off of them and in theory has his medical degree, okay. right? Um, I think any product like this – and this is true for a lot of supplements too where – it was manufactured long mm-hmm. before anybody would have, like, thought to do a study on it. Mm-hmm. It starts to get tough to tease out if it works or not, right? Right. Because once something becomes pervasive enough, whether or not it really works, it gets really hard to fight that. People huh. believe in things. Yeah. And it's and I, I think it's it's something that we still try to untangle on this show. Why do people believe in products or supplements or you know traditional remedies or things like that as strongly as they believe in i don't know some sort of faith of some sort yeah but i mean you really bump up against people who have deeply held like family traditions of a certain thing works right and i think i I mean it might be a little hyperbolic to say that dr shoals fits into that but tell people that those insoles don't work and they will call BS on you every day because they use them. Lots of people use them and they feel nice. They feel good. They do. My feet feel better <laughs> when I use insoles than when it's I like, don't. It's like walking on a squishy cloud. My feet feel better. And I I will say that. I do I have a did I do a study to tell you that my feet feel better? No. I wore them. And my feet felt better. And I'm telling you my anecdotal evidence. And that cat is so far out of that bag. That bag is disintegrated and gone. There's no, there's no, why are we putting cats in bags anyway? What? Why do we put cats in bags? It's a great question. So he wasn't satisfied <laughs> with one product. No, why would you be? No, he's going to make. Like that? Yeah, no, he's going to make others. His motto, early to bed, early to rise, work like 
and advertise. Can mm. I sell it? Can I say that? I said H E double hockey you sticks. You just did. Maybe I bet Rachel believed it out. Work like heck and Work advertise. Like heck. That's what heck. he said. Um, he would go store to store. Um, he realized pretty quickly that the best people to sell his products were shoe stores, other shoe salesmen and women and mm -hmm. people. And so he'd like to get his products into shoe stores. So he went to shoe stores and he'd walk in and he'd pull a um, a human foot skeleton, a human skeletal foot, a foot, a human foot skeleton out of his pocket. And he'd show the salespeople how delicate the human foot is. You got 28 bones in there. And they're all just like... It's a... It's, Look at him wrong. We'll it's shatter. a delicate, beautiful machine, the human foot. Mm -hmm. It's not just like a platform that carries us, and it needs proper support. And just like we support our machines, we need to support our feet. Just like we support our government, we got to support our feet. Well, I don't know about <laughs> that. Um, and he, he realized pretty quickly that he needed more salespeople. So he would recruit people. So And first he started with family because his brother Frank would go on to create other products and become a big figure in the company, especially since Dr. Scholl would never marry. I should I should preface with that. He wouldn't have like a, a child an necessarily, an heir <laughs> to pass the Dr. Scholl fortune Now you to. are Dr. Scholl. But his brother and, and multiple brothers had children that they could then con continue on in the Dr. Scholl family name, right? Um, so he would do these, uh, so he would start, the, he started this correspondence course mm -hmm. for salespeople. And basically it's like, have you ever wanted to know about the human foot? I bet you have. Have you ever wanted to know how to like, everybody's like, oh, my feet hurt. And you could tell them things that would help them with their feet. <laughs> I've always dreamed of that, Cindy. It's like a, it was like an amateur podiatrist school at first. Because you weren't going to be a podiatrist at the end. You were just going to be an expert in foot problems and foot solutions. As long as those foot solutions were products made by Dr. Scholl. Right. And then you would go sell people these products made by Dr. Scholl. So he very early like created this school where you could earn some certification in foot knowledge and then also sell products. You're like, uh, like, yeah, like a, sh a professional shoe enthusiast, a yes. card carrying shoe fan, foot fan. And and he would go on from there. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, he started with something that sounds very, like, well, this is uh, it's kind of craven. Like, this is just to sell your product. But he did, in fact, establish the Dr. William M. Scholl College of Podiatric Medicine. So he didn't just create like a correspondence course for salespeople who had some foot knowledge, right? He, he, it was real. It was real. He started a a podiatry school. A physical building? Or yeah. was it more of a correspondence No, he course? opened a school right down the street from his factory where you could come and study and learn how to be what was now starting to be called a podiatrist. So we're at this, and I, again, I think this is what adds murkiness to these waters is we are at this sort of turning point in the field of podiatry where it's moving from chiropody to podiatry and where it's becoming more regulated. And Dr. Scholl is helping create that. Um, and so if he, if you're an innovator in a field, how would you be respected by your predecessors in that field who are still clinging to maybe outdated modes yeah. of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, like there's some, there's some rationale for, well, he was just a doctor who other doctors slammed because he was different, you right. know? And he carried a foot skeleton. He did carry the foot. In his pocket. Which, I mean, I can like see where that time, would... you think? Well, I don't think all the time. But when he went to sales calls, it was a all prop. He always had it. 
you know, like on Shark Tank, they come out with all kinds of weird stuff. Oh, yeah. So that right? was his problem. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's the same idea. Okay. He, he went before the sharks and he was like, sharks, I have a human foot in my pocket. And then he pulled it he out. He wants to pay me for it. <laughs> and Lori Grenier gave him a golden ticket or what does yeah, she have? Her, She's got uh, a coin. I don't know. I don't go in for Lori's gimmicks. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. Anyway, uh, so because of all this marketing that he was doing and he opened this school and so he's training new people kind of in his tradition, there were a lot of uh, a lot of people in the medical community, especially the podiatric community, who were like, this guy's not real. He is not real. This isn't right. Um, it is beneath us to sell products at the same time that we diagnose and treat people, which I will say like early on, Dr. Scholl was still doing consultations for mm-hmm. people. Um, but as time went on, he moved further and further away from that and just marketed his products. Okay. Like he did less practicing of medicine. He just used that expertise to market products. One thing he bumped into pretty early, one problem is that his uh, foot easer had to be fitted for every foot individually. And if you were not trained at one of his, like either his school or his correspondence course, you wouldn't know how to do that. Oh, okay. And so they would get sent back a lot. Oh, okay. And that's extra money, right, to right. resend them. Um, so he invented the Shoals Arch Fitter, which was a product that he gave out for free on his own dime. He made this, and you can look up pictures of this uh, machine that basically like shows exactly the curvature, the arch, you know, like you put your foot in. And he would give these to shoe stores. Like, this is on me. And then you know exactly how to foot people's, or fit people's feet uh, for my product uh, to reduce the number getting sent back, um, which I think was, again, a really clever marketing strategy. And that was really, like, as he grew, and even as the medical community started um, condemning him uh, at the 1923 meeting of the National Association of Chiropodists in New York City, there was a resolution passed uh, that basically said you cannot manufacture and sell anything related to foot care mm. if you are basically if you're an upstanding member of our association. Um, and so specifically, they were banning Shoal. You can you, uh, not only are the are, is ours for real. You can buy one on eBay for a hundred bucks if you want. Just go get one. There you go. So even even as his products were being banned, and basically everybody else in the community was kind of standing up and saying like he is not the real deal. Um, he just kept on going. He continued to create new products um, because beyond like arch supports and a lot of that, what he did just sort of responded to what materials were available at the time, what was easy to get and source, what new rubbers and plastics and things were being made over time. Um, and then he went on to like other foot problems like foot powders for, you know, sweaty feet or smelly feet, things mm-hmm. like that. You know, Green all the foot. other and, um, and a lot of it had to do with, like, the popular shoes of the day. There were a lot of, uh, as we move into times where women, specifically, you know, feminine-presenting people were expected to wear very, perhaps, beautiful but impractical shoes. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know, has that gone away? Not completely. Um, but things like pads for uh, corns on your feet would be very popular and discreet. And you could buy them secretly and continue to wear those lovely high heels uh, with the pointed toes. But it's your secret. Um, And you do. It's funny because you can see sales of sales of products like that wax and wane with shoe trends. Mm. Um, But he was meeting all of those different needs for the feet 
and people were buying it. And he was a very clever marketer. Um, he was a, one of the first to start selling shoes in a way or products in a way where you could go in and pick things off the shelves as opposed to asking someone from behind the counter to grab it for you, to have like display, like multiple of an item on a shelf that you could pick up and carry to the counter. He was oh. one of the first to come up with that model of a storefront. You know, it's interesting that, that they're still doing, Shoals is still doing stuff like this. I remember, I don't think it's there anymore, but I know for a long time, our Walmart had a kiosk that you could stand on it. Do you remember that? You stand on the thing and it makes a, a heat print of your foot. Yeah. And then it tells you like, here's where you're carrying the weight. Here's the exact number that you need. This is like your it, perfect It was insole. that combination of like this sort of scientific academic approach to feet along with the marketing. Um, because on the marketing end, like, I mean, at the same time, he is, he wrote books. He started a whole medical journal. He started his own medical school. But he also had a national advertising campaign um, for the girl with the most perfect feet. So he did a Cinderella <laughs> contest to advertise his products, right? It's not, so like, it's not your it was, well, it was the mixture of all of this together, which simultaneously got people excited to buy his product and had him condemned <sighs> by the medical community at large, right? right? Um, he, by the way, he ran the company and at times would still see patients for over 40 years. He created more than a 1,000 patented ointments, sprays, cushions, pads, supports, shields, springs, um, all kinds of things to go in your shoes as well as shoes, right? Dr. Scholl sells shoes, shoes eventually. Themselves. Like eventually the, the shoes, the orthopedic shoes would be sold. Um, it was an empire. And it, I mean, really some of his marketing stuff was ahead of its ahead of its time. Like with national campaigns and things, he was kind of the forerunner of a lot of modern marketing hmm. in that way. And so I think he's he's almost a more important fixture in that piece of history, like marketing advertising history, than he is in like, I don't know, foot history. <laughs> um, because at the end of the day, like, do, did these products work? We were kind of taking his word for it. Now, I will tell you that I looked up, I looked for studies to see like, has anybody tried to see, do these things work? Like, are they, because the, the company's not going to go back and do that, right? Right. If everybody's buying their inserts, why would they go back and prove they work? Right. What's the point? Right. There have been small studies that have looked at small numbers of people wearing the insoles versus not. And like, does it improve pain, gait, um, just like, I don't know, general comfort in walking, wear and tear on your feet, the development of calluses or corns, things like that. Um, and generally, yes. The inserts tend to work. These are small studies, and a lot of this is subjective, right? Right. Rate I mean, your pain. It's like, it doesn't feel like there should be, I don't know, we're talking about the difference kind of between like therapy and comfort, right? Like, mm -hmm. is this, is this, I guess, just alleviating, I mean, are they spinning comfort as therapy would be my question. Like, is it just like, oh, that feels really nice and squishy. It's not really like treating the, the right. issue, but right. like it is providing like comfort, right? It just feels better. Like, which I guess is a, is that a medical treatment? If it like makes your feet feel better, is that medical or I mean, is that just a comfort issue? The subjective relief of pain is definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a goal. Like if you look at any study of anything that we do, whether it's a pill or a procedure or a shot or an insert or a device, I mean, if it is to treat pain, part of the, you know, marker of was it successful is asking the patient, rate your pain before, rate your pain after. 
is it better? I mean, it has to be. I mean, that's one of the problems with pain, right? Like it is inherently subjective. Um, sometimes the dogs need a little, we don't, we, you know, sometimes we ignore the dogs. Maybe it's not, maybe it's easier to just give the dogs a little love because nobody else is doing it. Dr. Scholes is there. We'll do it. We'll give the dogs some he, love. But I will say at the end of the day, um, whether or not was he a doctor, I mean, he definitely graduated. Like there, there was proof later on that he did, he did go to a medical school. There is a little discrepancy as to he graduated from the Chicago Medical School in 1922, and it looks like he was already operating as a podiatrist prior to that graduation date. And so then there's question as to, like, well, did he finish or why was he already functioning? Like, why was he claiming this title even before he technically should have received it? You know what I'm saying? Like, we get into some of that. And then if you read part of the criticism— it's because they didn't value those medical institutions at the time. At the yeah, time, right. the schools he attended were thought of as like, like sea level at best right. in the grand scheme of things. Because and we weren't so, taking it seriously, right? And and so like, if that's the best you got, I mean, I'm. Listen, I'll put myself as a doctor up against anybody else. Yep, <laughs> I know what I'm doing, and I didn't go to a you know an Ivy League medical school i didn't go to the medical school that's listed at the top of all medical schools yes that's true so i get a little defensive of dr shoal in that regard yeah he was a doctor by modern standards there are a lot of people who were doctors in the year 1900 who would not qualify today right it was a very different time did hippocrates have a modern medical degree no what is he considered the father of medicine, at least in the Greek tradition? Well, that's because he had no one to give an oath to. <laughs> I well, mean, I'm just you saying, can't be a doctor. Like, I, I, if you're an innovator, if you're revolutionary, and like also if if your main concern may might be selling foot products to people, hmm. <laughs> are you going to get a little shade thrown your way? Absolutely. Because everybody's so hung Scholl, up about it. Everybody's so weird about it. Dr. William Scholl was a real guy who really went to medical school and really made foot products for people that I anecdotally for whatever feel that's worth allow me to continue to wear Chuck Taylors well into my middle age years. Well past the <laughs> well past the, the point the, the physician when recommended an adult should be wearing Chuck Taylors. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Scholl. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> and thank you for listening, my friends. We hope you have enjoyed yourself. Uh, we always enjoy this time with you. Our kids were in uh, school exactly one day last week because of the snow. So honestly, just having a little time to chat with my wife. I'm happy you all could be here, but it's nice to just get to not be with our kids. I love like, our I love our children, but I think they're even sick of us now. I like everything in measure. You know, I can deal with just about everything in doses, they're, small doses. They're over us at this they're point. They're like, we just we just want to get away from you guys. Uh, but uh, thanks to taxpayers, use their song "Medicines" as the intro and outro of our program. And thanks to you for listening. We appreciate you so much. That's going to do it for us for this week. Until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Fun, a workaround network of artist owned shows supported directly by you.